0: 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast to fight. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. We've been studying a series through 1 Samuel chapter 17. A lot has happened. We're not going to rehearse all that. There's been some jibber-jabber back and forth from David, or from the Philistine, that is to say, in verses 42 through 44. Last time we saw that he disdained David. Well, David responds today. We see it today, but he responded way back. We're going to be looking at his response with the title, The Battle is the Lord's. The Battle is the Lord's. What a relief. (laughs) What a relief that the battle is the Lord's. You know, Israel, they were afraid because they didn't have a man that was worthy to compete with Goliath, weren't they? And that's true. Even King Saul, who was head and shoulders above the rest, was not worthy to compete with Goliath. Thank God the battle is the Lord's. As we look at David's response, we can see some, yes, having confidence in the Lord, no doubt. There's some, there some things that we can see about that, David's attitude and behavior that was given unto him by God, and also some encouraging things that we can see for ourselves. Having confidence that the battle is the Lord's. Let me ask you this question before we begin, though. Do you really believe that the battle is the Lord's? In your belief as we look at David's posture and his response, maybe we'll see some things that, that are similar to how we live our lives. And may God be so pleased to bless us with such. If we see that there is some, while our mouths say, yes, the battle is the Lord's, but there's some lacking there, well, may God give us grace that we would have such a position that David did. And you'll see what I mean as we go. And verse forty-five, the battle is the Lord's. But look at look at David here. Then said David, The battle is the Lord's. But you know David didn't back down to the disdaining giant. That's right. The battle is the Lord's. David was on the field. The Lord was with him. The, David said unto King Saul, and we studied a while back, that that yeah, the Lord gave me the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and the Lord will give me this giant. Send me. Don't let your heart fail, send me. David was confident that the battle was the Lord's. He also said, send me. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So if I truly believe that the battle is the Lord's, then I will be very much okay with engaging in the battle. Right, David said in the psalm, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, may all the host of Israel say, he does use means. He does use men. He used Noah to build a boat, didn't he? He used men. He certainly does. So knowing that the battle is the Lord's, I would encourage you to stand your ground. That's what David did. He didn't back down to a standing giant. He didn't back down to to, uh, to the, the, the people in Israel that were trying to discourage him in many different ways. He, he didn't back down, even when of his brother, his familiar brother, had given him many reasons. To. He didn't back down. He stood his ground, didn't he? The battle is the Lord's, child of God. Stand your ground. We're called to do some things. Stand your ground. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. These people might not do this. They might do that. Whatever. The battle is the Lord's. Now, we're not going out to face a literal giant. We're not going out to cut people's heads off as David did. He did that in that day. Now, what battle would be would be appropriate for us to talk about? How about the battle of just simply living in this present evil and wicked world and testifying the goodness of, of God according to the grace of God? That is a battle indeed. And have you ever been faced in the battle and the day standing giant flying his lips and, and you don't stand your ground? I've been there. I would encourage you to ask David, then said David, he opened his mouth. You recall over there when Philip was talking to that eunuch, it said, then Philip opened his mouth and explained the scriptures, right? That he opened his mouth. Child of God, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Don't The battle is the Lord's. Stand your ground, having confidence in God. You see also in verse 45, he says, thou comest to me with and he addresses all these feeble weapons. Don't live knowing the battle is the Lord's. Don't live in denial. Don't live in denial of the of the enemy's feeble weapons. He didn't. David didn't live in denial of the of the enemy's weapons. He knew that Goliath was a was a giant. He was a big guy. So he had a big sword. He had a big spear, and he had a big shield, and he had a man to carry that big shield for him, didn't he? He wasn't wasn't delusional that that, that, the the giant had weapons. He addressed those weapons. I I see your weapons. And he knew what those weapons were. He didn't say, I see you with that pointy thing, and I see you with that rounded thing, and I see you with that long thing. He knew what the weapons of the enemy were, didn't he? Knowing the battle is the Lord's know your enemy and know their weapons, know the subtlety thereof. When Paul in the New Testament wrote many of his letters, he was writing knowing the enemy's weapons, the subtlety of the lies. And that's what he's addressing in many of his letters, wasn't he? We've been studying 2 John recently. That's what John was writing about 2 John, the subtlety of Gnosticism. He knew the enemy's weapons. He wasn't naive to those things. David addressing... The enemy's weapons. That doesn't mean he lacks confidence in God. You don't. You don't lack confidence in the Lord when you at least acknowledge the enemy's weapons. That's simply just being uh, uh, practical, isn't it? Prudent. Know the enemy's weapons. He addressed the enemy as weapons. I I see he comes to me with these weapons, but he says, "I come to thee in the name." He mentions his weapon. Well what is his weapon? not God God is not a weapon you understand that. but the battle is the Lord's. I, I see what what uh, munitions you have. Th- this is what I have. I understand that the battle is the Lord's, David says. and this is what I have. I have the name or the reputation, the fame or the glory of the Lord and that is the proper name of the one true God, the existing one, Jehovah, as he presented himself, to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. He says, I wasn't known by this name, by others, but I've made myself known to you. He he comes in with the familiarity of the God of heaven, the Lord of hosts, that which goes forth to war. The, the divine warrior, the divine warrior is who David calls upon. So, the battle is the Lord's. Think about this. In a practical sense, yes, this big man with big weapons and big this and big that and big everything. You got all this stuff. Great. I come to you in the name, the reputation of God Almighty. He's going to deliver you. The battle is the Lord's. You see how David, this this ruddy young man, a youth, one that could not heft and one could not who could not go, a young man, fair to look upon, trusted in the Lord in all things. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw and out of the lion and out of the paw of the bearer, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. The battle is the Lord's. You know, sometimes seeing the, 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 the enemy's munitions, his armament, it's overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, there's a whole industry of of movies that are made to terrify people uh, of presentations of evil. They make a lot of money doing that. Stands nothing compared to the Lord, and the battle truly is His. The battle is the Lord's. He said, "You have defied, you have defied this Lord who is the Lord of hosts." In verse 45, then said David to the Philistine, "Thou comest to me with a sword." with a spear, with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God, Elohim, divine judges of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. You know, whenever we say that the battle is the Lord, sometimes people get the idea that we're supposed to sweet-talk people into thinking that the battle is the Lord's. Are, we supposed to, uh, are, the, are the people of God supposed to sweet-talk the enemy? Where does it ever say that? Jill teases me because I misquote this verse a lot. And it's in in the book of Jude, if you would, please. Now, we are supposed to be compassionate, but that's not sweet talking people. Jude, verse 22, and some have and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. What's all that mean? Does that mean you pat somebody on the head when they're just living rebelliously and riotously? Was he to go out there and pat that giant on the head? No, he said, you have defied God Almighty. What was the message of John the Baptist? Repent. What was the message of Jesus Christ? Repent. What was the message of Peter and of Paul, of John? Repent. You have defied God. Yes, the battle is the Lord's. and yes, be compassionate, be concerned, but you cannot omit if yeah, the battle is the Lord's particularly in salvation, you cannot omit repentance. You cannot omit that one has offended God in the telling of the gospel. You cannot leave that out. If you would please look in Second Peter. Second Peter. In verse nine chapter three and verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us for his people, not willing that any his people should perish, but that all his people should come to repentance. You see, someone must repent in order to be saved. And that repentance is a gift. He had, God had granted repentance to the Gentiles. That's what Peter said in the book of Acts. So being having repentance is a gift from God. It's granted. But no one can be saved without it, you see. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. David went out to this giant. He said, you have defied God. Well, yes, the Lord has clearly won the battle. The battle is the Lord's. But he used this man to tell this giant that he was out of the way against God, didn't he? He sure did. You see on the battlefield here, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, David, he could have just kept his mouth shut and kept on going, but knowing the battle is the Lord's, he is if you allow me the language defending the Lord with his language and he's also saying these things that the people of God Israel would hear his declarations of the great of the goodness of God of the grace of God The battle is the Lord's The battle is the Lord's and the Lord and no one but the Lord can win the battle if the Lord is in the battle no one but the Lord can win the battle right So Goliath couldn't win the battle david couldn't win the battle he understands that it is the lord that that does bring the victory in the battle he says this day in verse 46 the lord this day this day the lord will deliver thee into my hand he shows with this a great confidence in the lord in reality he he He's living in the here, he's living in the now. And knowing that the battle is the Lord's, it is important for the children of God to live in the here and the now. Some people like to say, oh, I'd like to live way back then, I'd like to live at this time, I'd like to live in this time, whatever. Read the book of Esther and see what Mordecai, Uncle Mordecai, says to young Esther. Who could know if the Lord had appointed thee for such a time as this, here and now. David is living in the here and the now. This day will the Lord Deliver them So knowing that the battle is the Lord's, do the people of God honestly believe that this day the Lord will grant victory in the battle? I mean, as we go out and broadcast the gospel, that it that is that is what I would like to see every time in God's time. That this day the battle being won at Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this day he would evidence that in the souls of men. He does save his people from their sins. So then, when we're not found in the battle, when we're not found engaging, when we're not found in the declaration of that gospel, is it because that deep down we don't think the battle is the Lord's? It could be. It could be. We're we're human beings. We sin. We doubt. Oh, yes, the Lord saves his people, but he won't save that one. He he, he can save his people, but not that guy, not that girl. No, I've already talked to so-and-so so many times. No, this day, this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. How do we rejoice and be glad in this day? We declare the gospel. This day the Lord will deliver the end of my hand. Now there's coming a day when all his enemies will be delivered up and they will all die and they will all be brought before his his throne and they will all be cast alive in the lake of fire to burn forever. That's a day that's coming. That's then. We live in the here and now, this day. Do you have confidence this day that the battle is the Lord's? Well, are you engaging the enemy? Are you on the field of battle? That's two questions we should ask ourselves of how well we think the battle is the Lord's. What also about this? If I really believe that the battle is the Lord's, look at all, continue reading verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. This day I will smite them. Yes, having confidence in the Lord, David takes a personal responsibility and a personal personal dedication in believing God. This day the the Lord will do what he's going to do. And this day, believing him, I will go forward. I'm going forward. The battle is the Lord's. So yes... This day, the battle of the, is the Lord's. This day, the battle is the Lord's. He will give victory. And, and, and yes, you've got your weapons, your enemy. And, and yes, you, uh, you've got this and you've got that. And you might be big and strong or whatever, Satan. But this day, the fame and reputation, the glory of the Lord shall prevail. This day, the Lord, in all his beauty, in all his majesty, in all reality, this day, the Lord shall have his way. In all reality, this day I will personally be used of God in engaging the enemy. Do I really believe that the the battle is the Lord's? Some people believe that the battle is the Lord's and they're perfectly content sitting in their houses, resting on their elbows, saying, oh yeah, the Lord will save his people. And meanwhile, busying themselves with everything else in the world. No, David believed that the battle was, on the, was the Lord's, and he's the only person in Israel apparently that believed the battle was the Lord's. And he's the only person in Israel was where? Where was he? It's on the battlefield. If I believe the battle, the battle is the Lord's. I will be on the battlefield. I will be confronting the enemy. I will be declaring the greatness of God. I'll have a personal dedication and responsibility in these things. If I really believe that the battle is the Lord's, He says, "I will smite thee, take thy head, and the carcasses of the Philistines." You see, David, believing that the battle is the Lord's, he has a plan there. You see that? He has intentional, goal-oriented, visionary. He's seeing, I'm gonna. not only am I going to deal with you, but the whole army over there is going down, and these animals are going to come eat you. In his mind, because the battle is the Lord's, it's already worked out. Isn't that wonderful? The host, the armies of the Philistines, Boy, that's grandiose thinking, isn't it? Well, we serve a ma- an amazing God. The battle is the Lord's. How many of the Lord's people are going to be saved? Every last thinking one of them. The battle is the Lord's. How many of the Lord's enemies are going to be cast down, overthrown, and cast into the lake of fire? Every last one of them. The battle is the Lord's. How long am I going to be there fighting this battle? As long as he gives me grace to stand in it. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's, moment by moment. That's what it says in the book of Job. He knows my days. He sets the bounds thereof. That's what Paul was saying on Mars Hill in Acts chapter uh, 17. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Look at this. Keep reading verse 46. And all the earth may know that there is a God in, in Israel. Well, you we talk about grand thinking. That all the earth. That's purposeful living. For the glory of God, everyone's going to know that there is a God in Israel. It would be truly wonderful if the children of God, knowing that the battle is the Lord's, would live in such a way that they would desire that all the world would know that there is a God in heaven. Particularly that there is a God in our hearts. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. But how does our warfare declare? does your, how, what your warfare? Say, David's warfare, he's out there declaring to this giant what's about to happen. Look at verse 52 just for a second. And the man of Israel and of Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Tell you what, it's encouraging to see the people of God living it. Isn't that what we studied? Over in 2 John, look at that just for a second. 2 John, verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Oh man, I I rejoice greatly that that I heard that there was a bunch of Davids over there. Oh, what a wonderful scene. That all the earth, purposeful living, for the glory of God, that all the earth would know. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What a day! The battle is the Lord's. Did you know that one could be used in such a way? This this event happened thousands of years ago, and today it's being talked about that there is a God in Israel. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And all the assembly. Look at this. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. What a wondrous scene. Yes, the entire world shall know that there is a God in heaven. They might laugh, they might scorn, they might do whatever. The people of this earth should be made witness unto by the people of God, trusting in the Lord that the battle is of the Lord's. And the people of God should rally around that. That's what happened in the text. You notice that the battle is the Lord's. In verse 47, that's what he says. Victory is not won in stature. Right? There are some that... And you think about Goliath, you know, his his stature, over nine feet tall, and his armor over 150 pounds, he had a guy carrying his shield. That battle was not going to be won by the biggest, strongest guy, okay? There's a guy that he does arm, uh, arm wrestling competitions, and and he's got a pretty good size arm, but, but compared to the guys that he's up against, it looks like he's about half the size, but he just, he's just he got the right muscles and the right ligaments and the right torque on his body, and he, it's just confounding to watch him beat these guys that are twice his size. Those are arm wrestlers. Victory is not won based on stature. Also, you're talking about that... I read a book about the the, the details of preaching and how people have to use their voices and their command and their body and all this kind of stuff as if the voice or pulling on someone's emotions is some kind of a way of uh, of being a, a good preacher of the Word of God. It's clearly not. People hold certain giants of faith and, and, oh yeah, you should hear so-and-so preach. He's such a wonderful preacher in this type of thing. Thousands flock to these people because they have stature and they're false prophets. It's not stature. That's not how victory is won. There's a man that used to go from stadium to stadium to stadium to stadium and they'd have all these crusades and there'd be thousands of people that professed that they'd been saved and the lives of most had not been changed. Victory is not won in stature. Victory is not won in numbers. Going along with the biggest crowd or the biggest numbers, you see. Victory is not won in weapons. It's not. Victory is not won in big talk. You see, if you were to compare the two, you'd say, oh man, you know, Goliath's speech seems like it's pretty intimidating. Victory is not won with big talk. Victory is not won by determination. Victory is not won in religion. There's very many religious people that would be cast alive in the lake of fire. How is victory won? Rightly belonging to the Lord, the owner and possessor of all things, Jesus Christ himself, the Lord. We have we read earlier in, in chapter uh, 15, I believe it was, that... that Samuel told King Saul that he had desired a man after his own heart, that David, that David, a child of God, victory is won by God Almighty setting his people apart and doing for them that victory and that according to the gospel. Victory is won in providence. He already declared he was going to win. Victory is won by God and his power, God's power. Victory is won in God's provision to give strength to the feeble. That's what he did. He gave strength. Assurance. The battle is the Lord's. He uses the foolishness of David here, doesn't he? The the battle is the Lord's, but he used the foolishness of David to beat this giant. That all Israel would know that it was a foolish thing, that beat a large and great thing, that they would know that there is a God in heaven. Isn't that what Paul told the church of Corinth in chapter 1? The foolishness, the foolishness of preaching. Look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them what perish foolishness. But in us which are saved, it is the power of God. Talk about the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. The power of God and salvation. What a, what a victory that is the Lord The battle is the Lord's. He, use, he uses foolishness. Why? To declare that these things are of Him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the power comes from God. Isn't that what we could read in the New Testament? the battle. The battle was the Lord's. The world would know. The assembly would know. Goliath would die. The Philistines would be cast down and overthrown as well. The battle was the Lord's. Here's this young man declaring these things. Think about this, children of God. Think of that great battle that is the Lord's. And what do I mean by that? That that victory over sin that victory at calvary in short grace people talk about grace as if it's some thing that that man can gain or that man can can award themselves and uh, in their stature or in their weapons in their talk in their religion and their determination that they that they can win victory by grace and that but grace is the lord it's god's grace god's amazing grace by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast right grace the battle is the lord so what about grace think about the depravity of man literally man can do no good thing in the flesh there is no good thing and yet God Almighty, in the battle being His, He can make the dead to live. Isn't that great? The battle is the Lord's. It's not up to me to make the dead to live. It's to me to go on the battlefield and say, Thou hast defied the living God and declare Him. Right? It's not up to me to make the dead to live. It's to me to go tell the dead that they are dead. The battle is the Lord's. It's not and we can kind of get upset when people don't believe us. Well don't get don't get upset. Don't get upset when people don't when, don't get upset if you can't make the dead to live. That's not that's not in you to, to have. That's the Lord's battle. The Lord's battle. The battle is the Lord's, and he will make the dead to live such as pleasing in his sight. Just as much as he called Lazarus out of that grave in, in John chapter eleven specifically Lazarus and none other, it is he that makes the dead to live. John chapter 3. The battle is the Lord's unconditional election, taking those who only deserve wrath, and by Christ, making them an, an evidence of that adoption. The adoption happened in eternity, but the evidence of that adoption comes at the new birth, unconditionally though. As we could read in Romans chapter 11 of that one lump, that he would take some according to his purpose. That's the Lord's battle, right? He didn't let me in on that. What did David do? Again, he went to the field of battle. He declared the greatness of God. He told the giant that he had defied the armies of the living God. And he said, I trust the Lord that the battle is the Lord's. That's what he says, for the battle is the Lord's. According to grace, how about limited reconciliation? Taking a deplorable lump of that vessel... And specifically accomplishing that goal, you, you know, for for God to be God, everyone that Jesus died for must experience the new birth. It must be saved. He came to save His people from their sins. If even one person Jesus Christ died for were not to be saved, then He would forever bear the blame of that. And indeed, the battle wouldn't be the Lord's, right? It would be those that could reject right it wouldn't be his he wouldn't be victorious but no the battle is the Lord's. so we must understand also that every single person he died for will come to saving faith according to the grace of God the battle is the Lord's and that irresistibly so you look at this the battle is the Lord's is there any way is there any possible way that David was going to lose or 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 that that Goliath was going to win you gotta say no Right, looking back on it, we have to say no. If the battle is the Lord's, then His people shall, shall cannot be drawn away, and and those that are not His cannot will not be drawn to. The battle is the Lord's. He draws the fallen and fallen sinners unto Himself by the Spirit of God and the Christ. The battle is the Lord's. What is the commission go out and teach? preach the gospel. You shall be witnesses of me. What? His death, burial, and resurrection. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's in his preserving and granting perseverance. Preserving in that he will continue his people and persevering that they shall continue. They'll keep on keeping on. Those prone to wander, sin, rebel, and draw away, God will keep to himself and have to himself. The battle is the Lord's. That's why John said in 1 John, they they went out from us because they they weren't of us. If they were of us, they would have continued with us. That's not a testimony against God's ability to win a battle. That's saying, hey, look, they never were of us. No, God, by His grace, if the battle is the Lord's, then He will win that battle, and He wins all His battles. Salvation, yet the Lord uses the foolishness of preaching. So yes, battles, the, 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 the battle is, is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Grace, that's the Lord's battle. Salvation, that's the Lord's battle. He saves his people from their sins, yet he uses the foolishness of preachers and preaching. Look over in, in Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? Well, who does that? God does that. God grants belief. That's right. And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? What well, does God visibly, audibly talk to people? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That answers that question. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, who was sent? Was everybody sent? No. The Lord's assembly is He established. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Again, that's God's business. But the, the report remains. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Salvation. Salvation, that is the Lord's battle, but yet he uses the foolishness of preachers The foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of his people through his assembly, declaring the gospel. You see, children of God, as you look through verses 45 through 47, we see David before this giant. He says the battle is the Lord's, and he's got a lot of confidence in the Lord. And he says a lot of things in the Lord, but he believes that this is the Lord's battle. Other battles that are the Lord's. How about obedience? That's the Lord's battle also, but we're given responsibility unto it. The Lord grants us grace in obedience. There was David on this battle. He believed that the the battle was the Lord's, but there's David, no one else. There's David. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 through 10 says, And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am not, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and by His and His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Right? God's grace was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So you see the grace of God and obedience. You cannot separate them. You cannot separate them. If someone has experienced grace, they will be obedient. They will. And that is God's battle as well. God's battle. Now in that we are responsible. I am responsible. Child of God, you are responsible. The Lord grants grace to do battles. The battle is the Lord's child of God do you truly believe that the battle is the Lords and I asked that question at the outset do you believe that the battle is the Lords do you so asking that question again let's get a little bit more serious in asking that question do you believe that the battle is the Lords do you back down to your giants that's a good follow-up question isn't it do you back down to your giants well I really believe that the battle is the Lords do you back down to your giants do you properly analyze the enemy's weapons, or do you say that's not really a weapon? We got that in common. Yeah, come on, let's buddy up together. Oh, yeah, that's not a weapon. Oh, that's a bouquet of roses. No, they're weapons. That's an enemy, and those are weapons. That's right. The battle is the Lord's. Do you know the enemy, and do you know the weapons? That's right. Because if the battle is the Lord's, everyone's not on the, You know, the Lord isn't on everybody's side here. Amen. Do you know your enemy? Do you know the weapons? Do you truly believe that the battle is the Lord's? Do you go forth in the name of the Lord of hosts? That's what David did. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Whose name do you go forth under? You go forth in somebody's name, right? You know, If I go, if I say I go forth in the name of the Lord, but I'm I'm offended at everything and everything just, you know, and I I make everything about me, then I'm not going forth in the Lord's name. I'm going forth in my name. If every little thing upsets me, then I'm not going forth in in the Lord's name. I'm going uh, forth in my name. Go forth in the name of the Lord of Hosts. We don't know if David had a hangnail or a toothache or you know he just wasn't feeling right that day. Had a head cold. Doesn't matter. He went forth in the name of the Lord of hosts. In all his infirmities, he went forth in the name of the Lord of hosts. In all these discouragements that he had, his brother saying, you're not good enough, the king saying, you're not good enough, all the people trying to weigh him down with armor, it doesn't fit. What are you doing here? What about them few sheep? Aren't you? I know what kind of, you're here out of the non of your heart. He went forth in the name of the Lord of hosts. Whose name do you go forth in? If the battle is the Lord's, you will go forth in His name. Do you call out those that defy the Lord? Do you, believe, do you believe, do you really believe that the battle is the Lord's? Do you call out those that defy the Lord? Look at that in verse seven, in verse number 45. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven, whom thou hast defied. If the battle is the Lord's, do you call out those that defy the Lord? Do you call them out, or do you find harmony with them? Oh, well, let's just agree on these things. Again, if the battle is the Lord's, then we can't find harmony with the enemy. That's right. Do you show? It, 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 is the battle the Lord's? the, the, the battle. Do you believe that the Lord? The battle is the Lord's. Do you show confidence in the reality of the day? This day will the Lord deliver thee. Do you show confidence? If I believe the battle is the Lord's, then I then I really ought to live my life like that. Well, I just got diagnosed with cancer, the battle is the Lord's. Well, this happened in my life, the battle is the Lord's. Well, what about this and this and this? The battle is the Lord's. When does that change? No. No. And the reality of my life, if I really believe that the battle is the Lord's, then my confidence in the reality of the day should not change at all. The battle is the Lord's. Do I really believe that the battle is the Lord's? Do you show personal responsibility in that battle? David said, the Lord will deliver thee into thy hand, and I will smite thee, and then take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses, and this and this. If I believe that the battle is the Lord's, then I truly will show that I truly will show personal responsibility and dedication believing that the battle is the Lord's. Those men that were rebuilding the wall they would have a farm they'd have a building tool in one hand and a sword in the other. They trusted God and they were ready. <laughs> Children of God, if you show battle, if I show confidence that the battle is the Lord's, then I will take personal responsibility in my living, knowing the reality of the day in this battle. Do you believe that the battle is the Lord's? Are you living intentionally, goal-oriented, with big ideas of overthrowing the enemy in the gospel? Meaning... Do we really believe, do we really believe that those hundreds, if not thousands of people that drive by those signs, that every last one of them won't stop? Do we really believe, do we really believe that when we broadcast the gospel, do I really believe that this house will be packed out next time we meet? Do I really believe that God could save this entire city and greater? Do I really believe that? Do I intentionally move to that purpose, that the Lord, that the battle is the Lord's? Well, we certainly ought to. If I second-guess second that, who am I second-guessing? Am I second-guessing my ability, or am I second-guessing God that He could do it? I believe that the battle is the Lord's. Okay. How does that play out in our lives? The battle is the Lord's. Is the battle the Lord's? Do you live that all the earth may know that there is a God in your heart? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's why David, in verse 46, he says this. Do you you believe that the battle is the Lord's? Do you live that all the earth may know that there is a God in your heart? Well, that's a great follow-up question too, isn't it? The battle is the Lord's. Do you live that all the assembly would have courage today? Courage today. Children of God, the battle is the Lord's. Oh, what a wonderful thing the battle is the Lord's. We read that already in verse 52, And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. May every one of us have a heart as David, that we would be encouragers of one another to trust the Lord. And in that battle, charge, charge. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Do you truly believe the Lord saves? Not with weapons, but according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do I truly believe that? The battle is the Lord's. David, he said some heart-encouraging things here, didn't he? You must imagine how the giant must have felt. What are you talking about? Remember he said, am I not a Philistine and you the children of Saul? He said that earlier in the chapter. These kind of words didn't mean a whole lot to Goliath right before he died. But a child of God, that knowing the battle is the Lord's, we ought to be some of the most courageous people there ever was. You can read through Fox's Book of Martyrs and see some of the courage that's been spilt, uh, spilled out over time. Children of God, do you see room for for growth here? Thank God if you see room for growth. Thank God if you see room for growth. Do you do you de- knowing that the battle is the Lord's? Do you desire to grow in these things? If so, thank God for for His Word and thank God for the encouragement and thank God that He's giving you the grace that you desire these things, ask Him for it, you know? If my son came to me and said, Dad, how can I be more pleasing in your sight that I could be a, a, a child that was um, obedient and, and just, just brought you honor as a dad? Do you think that would upset me as a dad? Or do you think I'd be happy about that as a dad? I believe the children of God... Asking such things of God Almighty, that's pleasing to him. Ask the Lord for such a heart that you would really believe that the that the battle is the Lord's. Thank God the battle is the Lord's. But ask the Lord for such a thing. If you dare. Guess what? You ask the Lord... To give you grace to be firm in the knowledge that the battle is the Lord's, you might have a giant set in front of you if you don't get a lion or a bear first. You see, these things, for the glory of God, they, they play out. They really do. I've used the illustration before that a sail that's brought low doesn't catch any wind. That sail that's brought up, it catches wind, doesn't it? drives things. Child of God, you want to serve the Lord. Knowing that the battle is the Lord's. And again, all these things come from the Lord. Even as we read before, Paul, knowing that his obedience and the things that he had labored in was the grace of God as well. Know the battle is the Lord's and desire those things. What's the alternative? Well, you see where everybody else is on the field of battle. They're back here just watching. They didn't have the faith to go out. They didn't trust in the Lord. Not if David did. Where do you see yourself on this battlefield? The battle is the Lord's? Get after it. Get after it. May God grant us grace to do so. And I'm not saying that as if I figured it all out. I'm speaking to myself too. I, I trust you understand that. Sinner, one way or another, you will know that there is a God in heaven. One way or another. You see, all the people here on the... On the sidelines there, the Philistines knew there was a God in heaven. Then they got chased and they got destroyed. And Israel knew there was a God in heaven. But when they saw him, they shouted for triumph and pursued after the enemy. And Goliath knew there was a God in heaven just as the blood ran out of his head. And you get about two seconds before that happens. David knew there was a God in heaven, but he knew that before. One way or the other, you will know that there is a God in heaven. Either by overthrow at death, which is terrifying to consider that, to lift up your eyes in torments knowing that there is a God in heaven, or overthrow by the new birth. Well, let me tell you something. You have defied God Almighty. You have defied him. How so? By trusting in yourself and your goodness and your wisdom and your everything, and trusting in you, and trusting in religion, and trusting in everything but in God, who alone can win the battle. What do you trust in? It'll fall. What do you trust in, sinner? It's going to fall. No matter what you answer that question with, it's going to fall. The battle is the Lord's. I encourage you to repent of everything else, especially yourself. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his gospel, how that he died for his people. There at Calvary, the wrath of God was put upon him for his people. He died, was buried, and rose again. The battle is the Lord's. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.